Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining us today. As you know, we released our Q2 Global Market Outlook last week, and this is the fifth and final episode of a five-part mini-series covering various topics from that report. Today, I have with me Manpreet Gill, who heads our fixed income currency and commodities team to talk about the outlook for the US dollar, why all prices are likely to remain supported, and the outlook for gold. So Manpreet, let's start with the dollar. Um, so obviously, we've had a view for uh, you know for a while that the dollar is going to weaken. It didn't work out too well for us last year, and, and indeed the beginning of this year. So um, do you still expect the dollar to weaken? And how does that square up with the recent strength that we've seen? Uh, hi, Steve. Uh, that, that's absolutely right. Uh, I mean, we still hold a bearish view on the dollar uh, when looking out over a six to 12 month horizon. And, and where that really comes from is looking at the long term drivers themselves. I mean, when you think about the fundamentals in terms of the difference in, you know, uh, interest rates uh, between the US and other major economies, you're looking at relative trade balances or relative equity flows. All of those factors, in our view, are still pointing to an eventual turn lower in in the U.S. dollar. So, when you're looking over a long horizon, that's the reason why we think that view still makes sense, even though you know we'd acknowledge that that has been challenged a little bit, uh, you know, in, in recent terms. Now, I think that that longer term perspective does help because if you think about the recent sort of turn higher in the dollar, arguably a lot of that, um, at least in the last couple of months, also had to do with safe haven demand. Um, and I think it's been unusual in this cycle that unlike the Japanese yen or Swiss franc, which tend to be more traditional safe havens, this time we saw you know more of that safe flight to safety happen to the US dollar. But when you step back and put even that in perspective, I think it's quite interesting that you see, you know, even Given the rebound of the past month, the dollar hasn't really broken above some key levels, you know, over 98 to 100 on the dollar index, for example. And when you sort of zoom out or a multi-year chart, this is really a blip in what appears to be a, a peaking process. So, uh, we, you know, we think that won't really hold the dollar back from sort of turning lower later this year. Uh, we've had a lot of rate hikes priced in the US, and we think that's been one big source of support, but almost nothing priced on the other side of the equation in terms of you know rate hikes at some point in the euro and the yen. So when we start to see that relative balance uh, shift, at least in terms of market expectations, we think that will eventually help the dollar turn lower. Okay, so it's really stay patient with the dollar bearish theme and look to sell rallies rather than worry about uh, you know um, buying any dips. So against that backdrop, where do you see the best opportunities in FX markets today? Well, the first place I'd look is really the commodity currencies, uh, because these have been supported not only by the rise in commodity prices, but also you know, partly because of that, these are countries where central banks have already been hiking rates, either at the same pace or in many cases faster than the Fed. And and I think when we're thinking about some of the challenges with our, you know, our weak dollar view being a more longer term view, I think commodity currencies do stand out as offering a, an opportunity that's a little bit more immediate for those two reasons. So, so we like the Aussie dollar, we like the Kiwi dollar, and of course, the Canadian dollar, all of which have those characteristics. So that's one place. Uh, a second place I'd look, of course, is to the Chinese renminbi. Um, we've had a little bit of a wobble recently when we had, uh, um, of course, the rebound in COVID cases and then question marks of what that might mean for economic growth. But what I'd still point out is that despite that and despite the turn lower in bond yields onshore uh, in China, there's still a positive interest rate differential uh, relative to the US. So it's a positive carry trade. And, uh, you know, many Chinese assets, especially Chinese government bonds, have performed well in some of the market volatility recently. So those two factors, we think, will continue to support the Chinese renminbi. Uh, 
A third area, of course, I'd look is is the euro, I guess a couple of European currencies more broadly. And I guess this is a little bit more long-term in nature because when we talk about, you know, dollar weakness uh, occurring over a six or 12-month horizon, we think the euro in particular tends to be treated as a default anti-dollar currency. So that is one currency we do expect will will offer a bit of a mirror image of that, especially as rate hikes for Europe get priced in at some point. But the time horizon here is important because, you know, in the very short term, uh, we could, of course, get uh, the euro is in the eye of the storm as far as Ukraine is concerned. And we could get potentially a bit of weakness first before we get there. That might make it a great funding currency, but only on very short horizons. OK, so you mentioned the strength in uh, commodity prices. So let's maybe move there. Obviously, a lot of the challenges that we see or concerns we're seeing is in the energy space or, or more specifically, I mean, or gas prices as well. But oil prices have also obviously shot significantly higher so far this year. Um, so do you expect them to remain elevated or rise further um, in the coming six to 12 months? And, and what's driving the view? We do indeed. And I think that's one area where our view has changed because I think what's interesting is that, you know, we know today that the market's tight in terms of demand supply balance. But despite that and despite high oil prices, we haven't really seen a significant supply reaction from OPEC or from the shale industry. Uh, And all of this, of course, coming at a time when several agencies have been warning that uh, there's a risk, you know, some or a big share of Russian oil could potentially be taken away from global supply. So, you know, at a time of a tight market, that's a number of potential supply supply factors to worry about. So I think on the demand side, we do expect, you know, growth, demand growth to be reasonably robust, especially with so much of the world now looking at living with COVID and, and some form of economic normality. So I think where that leaves us is that we do expect oil prices remain elevated, perhaps grind a little bit higher, um, but obviously, you know, more only moderately so from where we are today. Okay, and let's let's wrap up with gold. I mean, obviously, you know, we've been overweight gold all year. Um, that's worked pretty well for us, actually, right? So, I mean, we know we've seen some weakness uh, in recent times, um, but uh, you know, since the end of last year, it's been pretty positive. So, should I still be adding at current levels? Well, we would advise adding on pullbacks, especially. Uh, and I think you're right. I think what's interesting is that the short horizon, I think, is, is important to separate that from the longer horizon, because the big surge over the past uh, you know, few weeks, uh, much of that was safe haven driven. Um, and that's one which has unwound to some degree. Uh, but I think when you look sort of beyond that, uh, there's still the two longer term drivers in our view are still the dollar and bond yields. And and I think it's interesting that despite what we've seen happen on the rise in nominal bond deals, those they've not really stood in the way of gains in gold uh, prices. And to our in our views, partly you know playing out its role as an inflation hedge because net of inflation yields uh, have actually sort of stayed uh, low or, or fallen in some cases. Now the second driver, of course, is gold. And if we're right about the, our view on the dollar. Uh, you know, eventually turning weaker, that in our view should be a source of support for gold as well, looking out over longer horizons. So this short term sort of, uh, you know, exclusion of that safe haven demand might push gold, uh, you know, towards $1,900 and, and maybe a little bit lower in the very short term, but we'd be quite happy to add on dips towards 1875 Okay. Thank you, Manpreet. Uh, thanks for sharing your insights. That's all we have time for today. Uh, thank you, listener, for joining us as well. That concludes our five-part mini-series uh, on the Q2 Outlook. I will be back tomorrow um, to discuss uh, the week's developments and, and what we're expecting for the uh, week ahead. Uh, but with that, please let me bid you farewell and take care. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.